Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is your host, Frank Angelos. It's a pleasure to be with you this week. Through the month of October, October for us is Financial Planning Month. And picking up from our last show, we have two guests with us. We have David Suki, one of my partners over at CNA Financial Group. David, pleasure to have you with us again this week. Good morning, Frank. Welcome. And we also have Peter Grandage of Trinity Financial Sports and Entertainment Management, and he's also the founder of Athletes and Business Alliance. Peter has also recently authored a book called Confessions of a Wall Street Whiz Kid. Great background in finance and investments. Peter, welcome to the show. Great to see you again. Great seeing you. It's been a great week since that last week. Glad to see you. So for our listeners, last week's show, what we were discussing were some of the challenges that we've seen in the financial planning arena. You know, we were basically talking about the fact that, you know, you can get financial planning advice. It's almost like in different flavors of ice cream. And we mentioned about no planning, you know, and a lot of people do no planning because they believe the financial planning advice is really based upon having a certain amount of money. Then we have people that do occasional planning, and the occasional planning is really coming up with, you know what, I have, you know, one of my kids that looks like they're going to be going to college in a few years, I better do something. Or they, they sit down with someone and they say, it'd be a good idea if you got a will, whatever the case might be, and they do occasional planning. And then we had quite an extensive conversation about what we refer to as needs-based planning. And the idea behind the needs-based planning is sitting down with someone who represents typically a financial institution. Uh, Needs are typically identified, whether it be insurance-related, savings-related, whatever. I call it headache and aspirin. They create the need, and then they offer a product as a solution. Now, this week, what we'd like to do is start to get into some of the opportunities, also address a few other challenges that we see out there so that all of our listeners can really get some direction with seeking advice and planning their future so that they know where they go you know, as, as they're moving forward. Before I get into what I refer to as you know, responsible wealth and what our advice is with regard to planning, I'd like to address also financial planning. My background, you know, really being a CFP and doing all those different things, CLU, CHFC, really came out of the financial planning arena. And financial planning, to me, is a very comprehensive analysis of someone's plans. It includes everything from property and casualty insurance, estate planning, wills and trusts, savings, investments. The challenge for many people as it relates to financial planning is that sometimes it gets a little cumbersome. It could be complicated, difficult to implement. And for many people, if they don't have a lot of money, they don't feel that it's something they should be doing. And for our two guests today who've been in the financial arena for many years, I'm going to ask the question, which is what percentage of people do you come across that have actually had written, detailed financial plans done? What have you seen, gentlemen? Well, you know, you guys do this day in and day out. I'm more of a macro still, you know, travel the world, speaking on economies and markets. But I'll tell you this, whenever that subject comes up and I simply ask a group who can tell me in the room here, and I'm talking literally I'm in front of thousands of people, how many people have an actually written plan? I don't think 5% raise their hands. That's really, really amazing because I'll tell you this, although it looks like some of the football teams these past few weeks didn't have a written plan either, (laughs) the bottom line is they all come in with an extensive plan, and yet so many people don't even have that. And I'm not, again, I'm talking about people that you would think would have it because of their wealth and, and what they do for all. It's still amazing even today. I mean, how many people you meet that still don't even have a proper will and have fun? So 
even in this day of technology and just overload of financial information and all, still most people are as, as messed up today than they were 30 years ago, Frank, when I came in when it was a legal pad and a pen. How about on your side, Dave? Because I know you, you, you get a lot of that day-to-day that you're seeing clients, you're helping families and executives. Yeah, I, I, I agree with um, Peter's assessment of the fi- written financial plan. There's, it doesn't – it's uncommon, Frank. It really is. And the, the, the go a step further, I, I sometimes ask the question, have they ever prepared a financial statement? And that's probably under 20% of people. That'll even know, hey, what, what are your assets? What are your liabilities? What's your cash flow look like? Um, if they own a business, usually they they got a little better handle on that. But if they're just working for a company and they you know have personal finances they're managing, most uh, most Americans don't do that, Frank. And and it's unfortunate because it's a hard thing to plan for when you don't know where to even begin or even where you're at. Right. So there's that old saying, you can't see the forest from the trees. Well, some people don't even know where the trees are, and and that's a challenge. And it's you know it's just the way that you know the the country's become when it comes to finances you know as i'm listening to you know this conversation and you know we're discussing this you know one of the things that i remember from a previous show was is that 90 percent of people don't even have any written goals and objectives so when we talk even about personal development that's always even a challenge so i guess if we're not identifying what our personal objectives might be having a written financial plan or whatever the case might be also is becoming the challenge and when I bring this up in the show, you know, for our listeners is, you know, part of the reason why we do this show is really to be a good steward of all these gifts that you've been given in your life, which is, you know, everything that we have, you know, it's, 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 it's a gift from God. So if you're not doing kind of that accounting and you're not keeping an eye on what you do, what your assets are, what your life represents, and what's your purpose and what's the purpose of money in your life, if you're not taking that self-assessment then what will tend to happen is is that money, as it enters into your life, will cl- quickly go to, you know, it's like water, whatever needs to be fixed at the moment. So at the moment, if something, you know, happens, you know, I'm going to put out that fire, uh, this felt good in the moment, and I start making financial decisions based upon how I feel, which is never a good thing. Fair assessment? Yeah, and, and there's a bug that a lot of people don't talk about, and I've seen now, like I said, after 30 years, Back in the days when most uh, folks were stockbrokers and all and selling stocks, it always amazed me that they'd be on the phone telling somebody about a great company and why they should own it, and they couldn't read a company's balance sheet. They couldn't even, you know, decipher how to get a current assets or ratio review. In this day and age of everybody calling themselves a financial planner, uh, I still meet a lot of people that couldn't even describe to someone what is cash flow, how do you get it, and so forth and so on, and yet they're out there telling everybody. So I think one of the other things as a novice in this, and with you gentlemen being the experts, is it's not only important to understand what kind of planning you're doing, but is the person who's helping you do the plan truly know about planning or they knew just enough to get you to do something? And I think that goes back to not only the education, the background, but the success and the references that you can, you know, that people can show you that and establish that people have been satisfied working with you. You know, I'll just tell you real quickly, my accountant likes to joke. Uh, he's been in a building where there's a certain brokerage firm for all these years, and he does most of those guys tax returns and he says just about every year their income goes up because they're doing better as business but when he looks at their personal investments they lose almost every year and he amazes them that these guys could be given advice yet they lose mm-hmm. money in their own accounts mm-hmm. so i think one of the things people need 
to do, and I, I would clearly say that as the novice of the group is, is how qualified is the person? Like you said, these letters in the last show, they're nice to have, but that doesn't assure anybody that they're going to be successful. At the end of the day, it's going to be people who have used it, people who can refer you in and be willing to say something is very, very good, and I like those people. You know, in our in our firm, and one of the things that we advocate for all of our listeners, for clients and people that we deal with, is it really comes down to what is the exact process of which any firm or any organization is going to take someone through. So as an example, there needs to be a process whereby someone is taken through that helps them to achieve what is what it is that they're going to accomplish financially. And in the beginning of the process, and you know, Dave and I you know, talk about this just a little bit, I call it the discovery, which is discovery is what is the purpose of money in your life? What is it intended to do? And it's not intended for hoarding. Okay, again, we talk about, hey, it's a gift from God. And, you know, how are you using it to impact the lives of the people around you? Are you being a good steward of what you have and so forth? But, Dave, I know that you have this conversation with a lot of, you know, clients, as do I. But, you know, what's that conversation maybe a little bit like when you're bringing this up? Have they heard it before? So, Frank, I, I love these conversations with clients and, and friends and family. Because um, when you ask a conversation of what money means to somebody, you rarely get the same answer. Right? Yet a lot of times in, in our business, we see the same solution to, the, you know, to different problems, right? So um, well, what I've learned is that it has to be aligned with what you want. And if it's not, we need to have a real heart-to-heart conversation around what do we need to do to get it aligned? Because at the end of the day, everybody has a different means. Everyone has a different career. They have different wants and needs and dreams and desires and things of that nature. So... We take, you know, my experience is that it's a more relationship-based conversation to do that discovery, and then from there, you can at least have the right starting point. So, with that in mind, you know, for our listeners, the takeaway from that should be: is the first thing that you you should be identifying as we're in financial planning month. What's the purpose of money in your life? Absolutely. And then, what I would suggest to you is: what is it that you'd like to accomplish? That's real. And when I say real is, it's not. let's not talk about, okay, if I hit the lottery, this is what I'm right. going to do. <laughs> but as an example, if right now you're saving nothing, maybe the first step might be is to start saving something. Or if you're saving 5%, how do you perhaps go to 10%? And so I always say is you start with one, what is it you're trying to accomplish? Write it down because it has to be in writing, okay? Otherwise, you're never going to remember or continue on the path. And then it's start with cash flow, which is cash flow is really key. It's the key on two ends. It's the key to, you know, what you have coming in. You know, I always say it's revenue and expense, but at the end of revenue expense, something has to be allocated towards the future because the future may be substantially longer than you think. You know, so, you know, nowadays, you know, it used to be years ago, we'd hear Willard Scott and we heard about, you know, a couple of people hitting 100. You know, the greatest fear for a retired person is what, gentlemen? That they're going to live too long or outlive their assets. Correct. And so that's a major fear for, you know, people who are seniors. And so because you don't know how long you're going to be here, it's a gift, then you better plan for the future as if you may be here for a long time. Fair? So, you know, the savings rate is key. The second thing that I would say on here is to be responsible, which is have adequate protection. So when we talk in terms of protection, you know, Dave, maybe just take a few aspects of that and maybe highlight a few things that they should be looking uh, at. I just think it's important to have all the protection in your life reviewed annually, Frank. So your automobile, your homeowners, we talked about this, your liability, your disability, your medical, 
um, if that's still going to exist in our futures, right? Your life insurance, your wills and trusts, okay? Anything you have that protects your assets or you should be formally protected. And, and I would just teach people this. It's based on a replacement value or an economic value. We talked about this in previous shows or a human life value. So become educated on what those mean and why they're relevant to you. And then um, that'll help you get into what we call an optimum protection position. I deal with a lot of athletes, and one of the things when you deal with anybody of so-called affluence in this legal society we live in now is there's statistics out there. First year in New Jersey, for every 100 people, there's an attorney practicing in New Jersey. Uh, for every income over $50,000, there's a one in four chance you're going to be involved in a lawsuit sometime in the next five to ten years. So there's all sorts of things that you have to be concerned about, and most of them people get caught when they've been unprepared for something that they didn't think could happen to them. And unfortunately, it does. You know, it's we always look at it. It's the always the other guy, yeah. but you know the reality is it could be any one of us. So the the responsible thing to be to do is to you know make sure that we're covering ourselves and we're taking care of our family. And what I always say is, you know, we can absorb small claims. So I say, you know, the five hundred thousand dollar, two thousand dollar claim, you can make that work out. But it's the catastrophic claims. Uh, the, the, a death, a disability, that type of coverage should be current, up to date, and it should be the right amount for full value. So when you're thinking in terms of that, that is key. As it relates to the investment arena, and you know, Peter, I know that you know you write it in your book as far as you know, Confessions of Wall Street Whiz Kid and so forth. You know that there, some areas of investment have been less than honest over the years. Yeah. I, I, I'll say this, and it, 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 it's against uh, a lot of people's thoughts and wishes, but I believe it's fact from 30 years of experience. I think the chances of anybody being successful in the stock market over time is nil. Uh, it's gotten worse, not better for the average person. And when you just think about this, and I don't think you have to go past this point, if three out of four people who so-called paid big money to be experts can't even beat it itself, which means they don't even perform up to the index they're matched against, what makes you think you're going to even be better than them or why use them if only one out of four can be successful to begin with? So with that in mind, you know, and we don't want our listeners to say, well, it's hopeless. I don't have a shot here. <laughs> so what I would suggest, and, you know, there was uh, some Nobel Prizes that were given out over the years. One of them was to a gentleman named uh, Markowitz. And the reality is, is that 94% of investment success comes from the right asset allocation and the, when the, we say the right asset allocation it means by having proper diversification that your money is diversified amongst a variety of asset classes and when i say that it was interesting peter and i had a meeting earlier today and it, we were talking about diversification and people thought they were diversified but they had all their money where pete well that's classic point the united states is no longer the engine that pulls the world's economics around so most businesses that are making money are outside the United States, but yet most portfolios and most things people own are based in U.S.-based companies. So if you agree that the United States is no longer the economic engine and you don't have ownership in businesses and corporations outside the United States, you're at a disadvantage. So what we're saying to our listeners is is that in order to be properly diversified, you need to everything, you know, which is you know, assets that are diversified globally, that's 94% of your return. 4% comes from the actual selection. And seeing how only 4% comes from selection, I typically am telling people the core of the, your accounts could be index type or what we refer to as some structured 
type platforms whereby broadly diversified and timing certainly doesn't work i mean nobody knows what's going up what's going down i mean there's a lot of people that have missed the mark over the years dave you see that people out of fear you know they're worried agreed very worried frank yeah emotions and finance when put in the same room together usually equal bad results so you know as we're wrapping up our show today and what dave said there was really key for all of our listeners which is as it relates to our finances my advice to every one of our listeners is don't make emotional decisions don't make emotional decisions as it relates to spending don't spend on investment or on emotion and don't do your investments based upon that which means don't buy on greed and sell on fear you know because if you continue to do that you'll be broke before you know it so for all of our listeners it's been a pleasure to be with you this week you've been listening to discovering responsible wealth with our guest today david suki peter grandich this is your host frank congelos if you have questions you could write to us at the institute of responsible wealth 2431 atlantic avenue manasquan new jersey 08736 or email us at info at ifrw.com thank you and have a blessed week